We know you have lots of questions. If you think that you've developed symptoms. Should I avoid large public gatherings? Whether schools should be closed. Welcome to Common Sense. Here we address your questions about COVID-19 with interviews featuring experts in medicine and leaders in community, public, and global health. Here's your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. Welcome to the podcast, COVID-19, Common Sense Conversations on the Coronavirus Pandemic. I'm your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell, and this is our weekly update number seven. Today, we're going to be talking about an inflammatory condition that's being seen in children that's being likened to Kawasaki's disease or even toxic shock syndrome. Before we get going with that, I want to thank Pranay Bonagiri from the Toro University School of Medicine for helping with the research on this episode. And I also want to encourage you that if you're enjoying this podcast to please subscribe and consider giving us a review wherever you download your podcasts as it really helps us in our efforts to make this podcast more well-known. Let's talk about the reports of children who have a multi-system inflammatory syndrome that shares clinical features with Kawasaki disease and toxic shock syndrome. This syndrome was initially called pediatric multisystem inflammatory syndrome and is now being called multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children, or MISC. The clinical features of MISC include persistent fever, gastrointestinal symptoms, low blood pressure, myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle and elevated inflammatory markers in the blood, and these can include tests called the CRP, D-dimer, and ferritin levels. In order to understand why MISC is being compared to Kawasaki disease and toxic shock syndrome, it's important to talk a little bit about these two disorders. So Kawasaki disease is widespread inflammation throughout the body the results in fever, as well as other system disorders such as conjunctivitis, which is inflammation in the surface of the eyes, redness of the lips and the mouth, rash, lymph node swelling, and extremity changes that includes redness and swelling of the hands and sometimes the feet. Kawasaki disease leads to inflammation in the medium-sized arteries in the body and can have effects on the heart, which is the real reason for concern about this disorder. It can lead to coronary artery aneurysms, which are outpouchings like bubbles in the arteries of the heart that can lead to heart attacks at a young age. It can also lead to the, pu- the heart not being able to pump as well as it does and result in heart failure. It can result in heart attacks and it can result in abnormal heart rhythms, which can actually be deadly. And Kawasaki disease can also cause effects throughout the body as a result of the inflammation. It can lead to arthritis. It can lead to abdominal pain, diarrhea, and vomiting. It can lead to cough. It can lead to runny nose. So things that we're seeing that are similar to uh, COVID. Now, toxic shock syndrome has some similarities, but is actually a different clinical entity. But toxic shock syndrome results in fever, rash, low blood pressure, and involvement in multiple organ systems, including gastrointestinal symptoms, muscle aches, kidney or liver involvement, neurologic symptoms, and effects on blood counts such as decreased platelets. And this low blood pressure can be so low that it can lead to shock and ultimately organ failure and death. So now let's talk a bit about 
COVID-19 infection in children. One to 5% of all COVID-19 infections are in children, so it's much less common uh, than it is in older adults. Most children have asymptomatic, mild, or moderate disease and recover within a week or two. A study of 2,135 cases in children in China showed that only 5% developed severe infection, 1% critical infection. So 94% were in that mild or moderate or even asymptomatic category. Underlying conditions appear to increase the risk of severe infection of COVID-19 in children. Things like lung disease, including asthma, heart issues, and immunosuppression seem to be common culprits. So now looping back to this multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, or MISC, it was first reported by clinicians in the United Kingdom at the end of April of 2020, and it's now being reported by several other countries as well as states within the United States. As of May 12th, New York State had reported at least 102 confirmed cases and three reported deaths. And CBS News has reported about 200 cases throughout the United States. As we mentioned earlier, it's been described as a combination of Kawasaki disease and toxic shock syndrome. Though it shares similarities with Kawasaki disease, the effects of MISC on the heart are actually different. Dr. Stephen Kearney, the chief of pediatric critical care medicine at Columbia University, and New York Presbyterian Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital was quoted as saying MISC seems to cause coronary artery and other blood vessel inflammation as opposed to the coronary aneurysm seen in Kawasaki disease. Additionally, MISC seems to cause shock more commonly than Kawasaki disease does. Patients with MISC also complain of nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and chest pain which are not common in Kawasaki disease. There are two studies that are largely being quoted for information about MISC. There was a case report of eight cases of MISC in 10 days in mid-April. Six of the eight pediatric patients in this report were Afro-Caribbean in descent, and five of the eight were boys. Seven of the eight in this study were over the 75th percentile in weight, and four had known exposures to COVID-19. All of the children in this case report re were treated with what's called intravenous immunoglobulin, or IVIG, which is essentially a therapy designed to block the immune response and settle all of that down. Patients were also treated with two antibiotics called ceftriaxone and clindamycin, and six of the eight received aspirin, which is a medication that we always avoid in children except in the setting of Kawasaki disease because it can actually help prevent some of the heart-related issues. Of the eight children in this case series report, one child died. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes. Mm. 
myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Another case series reported 10 patients who were diagnosed with a Kawasaki-like illness between February 18th and April 20th of 2020. In the five years prior, this group had seen 19 cases of Kawasaki disease total, so they were reporting an approximately 30-fold increase in incidence of this Kawasaki-like illness. All of these patients in this report were also treated with IVIG, and eight of the 10 received steroids as well to try to knock down the inflammatory response of the immune system. As a result of these case reports, as well as the other reported cases throughout the world, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as the World Health Organization, are now offering a definition of MISC, as well as diagnostic criteria. The Centers for Disease Control describes it as an individual aged less than 21 who presents with a fever of at least 38 degrees Celsius for 24 hours or a self-reported fever for 24 hours, laboratory evidence of inflammation, and evidence of clinically severe illness requiring hospitalization with multi-system, meaning two or more, organ involvement, including cardiac, kidney, respiratory, blood, gastrointestinal, skin, and neurologic. And then it also requires laboratory evidence of inflammation, which includes an elevated C-reactive protein, or CRP, erythrocyte sedimentation rate, or ESR, fibrinogen, procalcitonin, D-dimer, ferritin, LDH, or interleukin-6, elevated neutrophils, reduced lymphocytes, and low albumin, which are all markers of inflammation in the body. This is not an exhaustive list of the inflammatory markers, but we wanted to give you at least some sense of some of the tests that are being done. The definition also requires no alternate plausible diagnosis and a positive test for COVID-19 or a COVID-19 exposure within four weeks prior to the onset of symptoms. The World Health Organization takes a similar but slightly different take on the definition and diagnostic criteria. They define it as children and adolescents 0 to 19 years of age with fever of at least three days and two of the following symptoms or findings. The first is rash or conjunctivitis in both eyes or inflammation of the mucocutaneous surfaces, which is in the mouth or on the hands and feet. They also include in the diagnostic criteria, low blood pressure or shock, features of myocardial or heart dysfunction, which can include inflammation of the muscle of the heart, inflammation of the valves, or abnormalities with the coronary blood vessels. They also describe evidence of coagulopathy, which means abnormal clotting, and this is based on laboratory markers. If you'll remember in the previous weekly update, we discussed the blood clotting that may be being seen with COVID-19 infections. And then they also include acute gastrointestinal problems such as diarrhea, vomiting, and abdominal pain in the diagnostic criteria. And then in addition to the, having two of the previously mentioned 
sets of criteria. The diagnosis requires elevated markers of inflammation in the blood, such as ESR, C-reactive protein, or procalcitonin, and no other obvious cause of inflammation, such as a bacterial bloodstream infection or toxic shock syndrome. And it also requires evidence of COVID-19 infection or likely contact with somebody with COVID-19. So that's a fairly involved and complicated set of diagnostic criteria. But what they're really trying to do is differentiate this as its own syndrome because it was being called Kawasaki-like syndrome or toxic shock-like syndrome. There's actually, it seems to be a different clinical entity. And so they're coming up with these diagnostic criteria to differentiate it as its own process. And I'm sure that the diagnostic criteria and our understanding of what's going on here will continue to evolve. But this is something that really has been identified just within the last month or so. And then the question becomes around management and treatment and what do we do with MISC. So there are a number of different medical societies and groups offering treatment guidelines. The New York City Health Department has advised that if a patient is meeting diagnostic criteria for Kawasaki disease, they should be given IVIG and aspirin, which is standard therapy for that condition. The Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health in the United Kingdom is advising that if a patient meets diagnostic criteria for Kawasaki disease, they also suggest giving IVIG and aspirin. And they say if the patient meets criteria for toxic shock syndrome, only give IVIG. And then additionally, they are recommending early electrocardiogram and echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart, to look for electrical and other abnormalities as a result of inflammation in the heart and the heart valves. And they also recommend giving antibiotics based on local protocols. And and that's really being done because you want to make sure that this is not being caused by a bacterial bloodstream infection And until you can prove that it's being caused by a viral infection like COVID, you want to make sure that you cover with antibiotics. So that's where we stand as of today on the topic of MISC or multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, previously called pediatric multi-system inflammatory syndrome. Because this particular topic is evolving so quickly and is a newly identified entity, I do want to say that today is May 17th, 2020. As I'm sure over the coming weeks, the uh, understanding and diagnostic criteria and perhaps even definition of MISC may be changing, and, and even the title of the, uh, the disorder may change over time. So that's the end of today's weekly update. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. If you have questions about COVID-19 that you'd like discussed on the podcast, send an email to info at arslanga.media. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Be vigilant, but remain calm. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.